Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Dallas Business Journal Managing Editor Rob Schneider welcomes a former corporate attorney who co-founded the first social enterprise tech platform focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Mandy Price is CEO and co-founder of Canaries, a startup that uses modern technology tools like data and AI to help companies improve their diversity, equity, and inclusion in their workplaces. Mandy was also recently honored as a Dallas Business Journal Women in Business honoree. Today, we're going to talk to Mandy about her business and her experiences over the last few months. Welcome, Mandy. Hi, how are you? Great. So, your technology platform is designed to foster collaboration between companies and employees for diversity, equity, and inclusion. How does it work? So what we do is we provide safe feedback loops so employees are able to leave feedback anonymously about their day-to-day lived experiences at work. We think it's so important that the diversity, equity, inclusion strategy is driven by the employees, that the strategy that is set place by management and by leadership of corporations is really based off the experiences, the challenges, and the opportunities that exist within the workplace that have been identified by their employees. And so we take that anonymous feedback, we use it, we aggregate that data. And so companies then use our dashboards to really understand structurally within their organization, any barriers that may exist to employees. And then we also help them understand kind of research-based best practices on how they should be developing not only their talent acquisition process, but their promotion, their pay equity, um, looking holistically in the organization to ensure that they are putting forth a workplace that really promotes institutional equity and that we are ensuring that everyone, no matter their background, their identity, can succeed in the workplace. So you founded the company in 2018. How many companies have you worked with since? Since 2018, we've worked with a number of uh, Fortune 500 companies and also some smaller mid-market companies uh, as well. Um, We've worked with AT&T, Neiman Marcus, and many others. I think the thing that's really unique about our platform is that um, because of the analytics that we're able to provide, that we're able to work with companies of all sizes, all industries, um, because uh, we really are able to provide insights uh, into these issues that are really difficult to diagnose and help them understand uh, structurally how to really optimize these diversity, equity, inclusion issues within the organization. So can you give me an example of how Canaries uses data to help companies make real change, especially for employees of color? Yeah, so we really feel that it's important that we're using data, but we're also driving our strategy based off of the feedback and the lived experiences of employees. And so through some of our assessments, through some of these feedback loops that we're able to create, for one of our clients in particular, we were able to parse out that in particular, their uh, Black female employees felt that the way the promotion system was operating within the company was was unfair. Um, They did not see that there was true opportunities to be promoted within the organization organization, the diversity of the leadership was not very diverse. And so because they never saw 
anyone kind of ascending the ranks, they felt that the workplace was not fair. And so what we were able to do through our assessments and through some of the data that we were collecting was point this issue out to leadership, able to communicate those concerns that we were seeing from those employees and were able to work with them to put together clear communications on the promotion process. We're able to then kind of have more detailed descriptions as far as for each level of the promotion process, how that was working, because that wasn't clearly being communicated to those employees. So they had no idea and understanding of how the promotion process worked within that organization. And so we were able to work with them and actually put together clear steps and uh, guidelines for how their promotion system was going to work. You spent a long time as a lawyer before you founded Canaries. You talk about how the company was founded. Yeah. So um, as my experience as a lawyer, I spent a lot of time working with our firm's diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives. I was on the diversity committee. Same thing. I worked at more than one law firm. And so when I uh, practiced at another law firm, I was on the firm's women's task force. So during the course of my legal career, I uh, was very involved with these diversity, equity, inclusion issues. And it was during that time that I saw that organizations were very, very committed to these issues but that we weren't using data and kind of looking at these from an institutional and systemic lens. And so two years ago is when I decided to step away from law and focus on these issues full time and make sure that we are really looking at these issues from uh, a data-based approach. Because if you don't measure something, if if you're not tracking it, you're not able to improve it. And what we saw is that a lot of organizations If they are using data, they're using data simply to track demographics, uh, which is important, right? That's the diversity part of it. And, and, you know, we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and each of those are three different components. And so we see organizations measuring diversity, but not really measuring equity and inclusion. And I think that's where there is a lot of work to be done because there's the focus on attracting talent, but we have to make sure that the equity inclusion pieces are there to actually retain and keep talent. And so with our platform and, you know, with the focus is really how do we measure equity and inclusion? How do we ensure that we're looking at our systems, our policies, our practices, our programs and ensuring that they are fair and equitable? So how can this technology help companies keep women and people of color from leaving the workplace because they leave at a lot higher percentage, correct? Yeah, that's right. So women are two times more likely to leave the workplace and people are color 3.5 times more likely to leave. And so when we look back, I know you asked me how we helped individuals and companies before. And I gave you the example of the company where we were able to diagnose for them the primary issue that black women were having within their workplace. So the issue they knew that company knew that they were having higher turnover of black women. They just couldn't understand why they could not keep that talent. And so through our assessments, through really drilling down and looking at the data, we saw that that talent was leaving because they felt like they had no opportunity to truly ever thrive in. um, There was no true promotional opportunities within those, that organization. And so I think when we work with organizations and we look at how do we retain talent, we have to look uh, at the barriers and the challenges that the employees are indicating exist within that workplace, 
for every organization, it's going to be different. And so that's why we think it's so key and critical that organizations do the audits, that they do the assessments, that they look at this, not from a one size fits all approach. It's not a check the box. Although having unconscious bias training is important. What we see is a lot of organizations, when they want to focus on this, will start off by just having a DNI kind of training. Having a DNI training without understanding what your issues are really is kind of, uh, we like to give the analogy of, of medicine because I think people understand that. You don't just go and have an operation, right? You, you have x-rays, you have a diagnosis, you really understand what your issues are so that you can be prescriptive and that you're really treating what your issues are within your organization. And so we think it's so key and critical that organizations think about it from that same perspective, because we see a lot of organizations will have someone come in and do a, a compliance-based training, but they're not ever really getting to the heart of what are the issues that exist within our organization? Why are certain individuals or demographic groups leaving and not staying within our workplace? And it's important that we take that diagnostics, that assessment, and have a very prescriptive approach to really address the issues that your employees have kind of expressed that they're having challenges in. And so what we've seen recently, right, is a lot of organizations starting to have these town halls, which are great, you know, but how do we create that long-term feedback loop and and those feedback mechanisms where your employees consistently feel uh, comfortable bringing these issues up. And with diversity, equity, inclusion, it's so important to create those long-term feedback mechanisms that employees feel safe because these issues are very difficult for people to talk about. It's difficult to talk about race, religion, gender, sexuality, any of these things within the workplace. And so when you want to ensure that your workplace does not have these hidden barriers for individuals based off of their identities, we have to ensure that we're creating a way where people feel safe because in a workplace, people aren't comfortable just regularly talking about their sexual orientation or their religion or or these types of issues unless we have created those spaces and been very clear that these are things where people can be comfortable and that their identity is not going to be something that holds them back within their job. And so I think a lot of companies think that they have that safe place. But when we look at the research and the data, we know that unless you're actively and intentionally being affirmative within these issues, that people don't feel comfortable. Almost 50% of LGBT individuals are not out in the workplace. That's because they feel that their career prospects will be harmed if they are openly out in the workplace. Almost 60% of Black employees have said they have experienced some type of discrimination in the workplace. So we can't operate and think that these things are not happening within your organization. We have to be very intentional and make sure that we are constantly monitoring and doing the assessments to ensure that we are analyzing and understanding where these barriers exist so that we can put together active strategies to mitigate them. Was it a negative experience in your prior profession that made you want to change careers? You know, 
I go back to that 60% uh, statistic that I gave about African-Americans, Black employees within the workplace. I've had some negative experiences within the workplace, but I think the experiences that I had are very common. It's the experiences that many individuals face in the workplace, especially Black professionals. And so um, I definitely can, can point to incidences that have happened that, you know, when people hear them say, wow, I can't believe that happened. I remember when I was in the workplace in a group setting where someone asked me if I had gotten into Harvard legitimately. This was someone that was in leadership within the organization. So it was very difficult to address that, not only in a public setting, but someone that was uh, senior to me. But those incidences are not isolated. And uh, I think happen all the time within the workplace. And we know they do because of the research that we've seen. So I think that, you know, what motivated me wasn't so much of those incidences, but the normalcy of those incidences and not wanting uh, my children and the next generation to go through these same uh, state of being within corporate America that we just think is normal. You know, I remember talking with mentors that were women or other individuals that had kind of been in the workplace decades before me. And they talked about some of the barriers and challenges that they had. And obviously things have gotten better, but a lot of the stories they told, I had my own story. And so I think more than anything, the thing that motivated me was the idea of how can we change the workplace? How can we make it better? Because I think a lot of the programs and initiatives that are in place are all about changing individuals as opposed to changing the the structures and the systems themselves. So I'm all for mentorship programs. Um, I think they're important, but I think that's where we have a lot of the focus is, okay, how do we do this training, right, to ensure people aren't being discriminatory or there's this kind of bias being introduced, same thing with the mentorship programs that are focused on the individual. And so I think it's important that they need to look internally within their systems and ensure that they're not unintentionally perpetuating these inequities that we currently see within corporate America. Mandy Price joining Dallas Business Journal Managing Editor Rob Schneider. In our next segment, Price reveals how she's grown her company when Texas Business Minds continues. I'm Rich Gregasco, President and CEO of Texas Mutual Insurance Company. To everyone who has been hard at work providing the things we need during this crisis, we say thank you. You truly are essential and we're proud to be on the job with you. More at texasmutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds, as Dallas Business Journal Managing Editor Rob Schneider features Mandy Price, co-founder and CEO of Canaries. So tell me how your company's grown since 2018. I know you had a short-term dip right when COVID hit, but then business is looking up, right? Yeah, we've grown tremendously. So we are still growing and excited about our growth. Uh, We started out as, you know, the three co-founders. And now our company has roughly 25 individuals. So uh, we're continuing to grow. Uh, We are excited about our growth. And as we continue to grow, you know, we're looking at not only 
working and having our assessments focus on uh, the U.S. workforce. We're also expanding to really be able to do the same analysis on a global uh, scale as well. And uh, what kind of companies are you targeting? Right now, we have been working primarily with companies in the professional services as well as technology and consumer goods industries. But our assessments and our data and analytics platform works for companies in any industry. And you talked about you had a short-term dip right right as COVID set, but then for 2020, business has been looking up, correct? Yeah. So what we saw with COVID is that a lot of organizations, um, because of the uncertainty around COVID, but also the dip that they've seen in their own businesses, that they laid off their DNI staff. They cut the DNI budgets. And so we saw that unfortunately, diversity, equity, inclusion was one of the first things on the chopping block when organizations were looking um, to kind of reassess what their budgets and what their plans were going to be going forward. So we did see a dip in our business at the start of March with COVID. But given the kind of recent societal unrest, the focus on these issues, we have seen organizations begin to prioritize diversity, equity, inclusion again. And if you look, you'll see that um, kind of positions for chief diversity officers are one of the the kind of most in-demand positions and organizations that may have not had a focus on these issues before are starting to ensure that they are prioritizing these issues within their organization. So you are a company that is in the diversity, equity, inclusion space. There has been a national discussion the last couple of months, George Floyd and and now Jacob Blake and what's happening in Kenosha. Uh, So you already in this space and then this became a space that you just said that, that became uh, hot corporately and became an important issue corporately. Talk about what it was like to be in that space and then become somebody who's trying to help something as part of a national conversation. So we've definitely seen um, kind of a renewed focus on diversity, equity, inclusion. And, you know, prior to the death of Mr. Floyd, what we saw when we were kind of working with organizations or kind of the desire of organizations from the diversity and inclusion standpoint was really focusing on talent acquisition. We saw that a lot of organizations would, um, their focus was on kind of attracting talent And um, a lot of organizations kind of would express that they felt like they had pipeline problems, that there were pipeline issues within their organization. I think after the death of Mr. Floyd, what we've seen is that organizations understand that these issues are not solved through talent acquisition alone. They know, I think, a lot of organizations that they've had problems retaining employees. And I think there's a greater uh, awareness and understanding that These issues have to be addressed from a systemic and institutional lens. And so, you know, that has been something that Canaries has always focused on. And the way our approach to these issues has always been through kind of that that perspective that um, although talent acquisition is important and we have to make sure that we're recruiting talent, that we have to also ensure that we're looking at this holistically and making that long-term commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, that we our focus can't be only on getting people in the door and then not maintaining that inclusive and equitable environment once we attract the talent, because that's exactly why we see uh, the churn that we see within these underrepresented groups within the workplace. So I think there's been a broader awareness that we have to be intentional 
that we have to ensure that our systems are actually fair and equitable. I think there's more discussion around pay practices, promotion practices, an awareness within the organization of, okay, if we are, you know, especially looking at kind of entry-level classes, have 50% of women that we're actually able to recruit within our organization, why is it that our leadership teams or our C-suite don't have any women in them? And so I think there's a kind of an awareness and an awakening of maybe there are something else at play and going on where I think, again, there was that kind of normalcy that this is just the way it is. This is the way kind of corporate America looks. And I think people are beginning to say, wait a minute, what's at play here that this should not be what the workplace looks like given the demographics of our country and that this is symptoms of a much bigger disease if within an organization the the leadership of your workplace looks vastly different than not only the you know, demographics of your company, but the demographics of the nation, people are starting to really understand that maybe there is something going on and that there needs to be a, a greater look at their, at their systems and policies to ensure that bias is not running rampant throughout their organization. Does this push for change, this recent push, does it feel different to you? Yes, it feels very different. Again, I think it's the understanding of the systemic and institutional way that bias exists within our not only country, but within the workplace. I think that previously the focus was always on talent acquisition. I think the focus was on compliance-based diversity, equity, inclusion programs, that the focus was on how do we ensure we're not discriminating And that's where there was really that individual focus. And I think people are starting to understand how these issues exist from a structural and and institutional way. And there's willing to lean in and do that work to say we need to ensure that um, we don't have barriers that exist within our organization that are producing these, these inequities from a structural basis. Instead of saying diversity and inclusion, you say diversity, equity, inclusion. Can you talk about that distinction? Yeah. So when we think about diversity and inclusion, I think, you know, people just say those all together. But um, there has been a focus on really ensuring that we're focused on diversity, equity and inclusion. And so when we think about diversity, diversity are various demographics. Right. Um, And those are things that are people's identity. That's gender. That's race. That's uh, sexual orientation. That's religion. Um, Those are things that make up diversity. When we look at Inclusion, inclusion is, do I feel included? Do I feel included no matter what my background and my identity is? And then we look at equity, that is, do I have the same opportunities? Am I able to still have the same access to opportunities no matter what my identity is? And so they're all very different, distinct kind of issues. They're all interconnected. But I think when you think about diversity, that's the very first level, right? Um, You want to ensure that your workplace is diverse, that uh, is reflective of our country and the diversity that exists there. But then, obviously, you want those individuals to feel included, to feel like they belong in the workplace. Um, You don't want them to feel isolated or not a part of the, the company and the culture of the company. 
But I think equity is what everyone wants, right? Everyone, I think, when I think of it, I think it's kind of the epitome of American ideals that no matter what your identity is, you should be able to succeed. You should have the same uh, ability to uh, be promoted within the organization, the same ability to really thrive. And so those are the things why we at Canaries especially have a focus on equity and fairness within the workplace. So you were one of the few African-American-owned businesses to receive funding for your first round a few years ago. What's your current funding status? So we are currently raising funds. We've seen a tremendous growth in our business, and we've seen really the focus is on these issues right now. So we are seeking funding to continue to grow and scale and meet the, the needs of the demand and the clients that are coming to us. What needs to happen to get more women in leadership roles? I think if you look at the current landscape, right, if you look at the Fortune 500, there's more men named John that are CEOs uh, of Fortune 500 companies than there are women, just total women. There's 38 women CEOs uh, of Fortune 500 companies. And I think that that really is endemic of the problems that we see within corporate America. We know that women are 50% of the workplace, women uh, for the past at least few decades have been graduating college at rates of 50%. And so I think when we look institutionally and say, what are the barriers that exist? Why is it that only 38 women are CEOs at some of you know the largest uh, institutions and organizations that exist in our country? We know that there is work to be done. And so I am of the opinion that it's not a matter of women needing more training, of women needing more mentorship, that it's a matter of how do we ensure that the barriers from an institutional level don't exist? Because when we look at the research, um, we see that it's kind of at the, the mid-level when those promotions start being made, that women uh, are not progressing through the organization. And so how do we ensure that the promotion opportunities, the pay equity exists? Because we know when we look at women, they're not paid comparably for the same position. Same thing for when we start looking at women of color, the pay disparities increase even more. And so I think we have to, again, look at this from a systemic and institutional lens to ensure that the policies and the procedures and the initiatives of our organization are not perpetuating these inequities that we're seeing that are not perpetuating these inequities. How did the Canary in a coal mine name come about for this tech platform? Yeah. So, you know, Canaries used to be taken into coal mines to help monitor the health of the workplace. The toxic gas that was coming out, uh, it was hard to diagnose. The coal miners couldn't see it. They couldn't taste it. It was odorless, and, but it still existed. And we think of Canaries operating in the same way today, um, helping to ensure that our workplaces are healthy. When we look at diversity, equity, inclusion issues, they're difficult to diagnose. We know that they exist because we can see kind of how they are perpetuating throughout our organizations. But organizations need that same help to diagnose them, to understand exactly what from an institutional basis needs to be changed to ensure that they are promoting that healthy workplace. Well, thank you for your time, Mandy. I really appreciate it. This has been great information. Thank you so much, Rob. Mandy Price, co-founder and CEO of Canaries, joining us. 
Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.